0: Too.
1: Yes, a little bit. Oh hold on, your ex-wife just text me. Okay, it wasn't important. So welcome to Oklahoma Strange. They can hear you typing, I bet.
0: No, I'm putting my phone on silent, so it's
1: okay. I'm setting up where I need the mic to be, so Crinkle of Paper, da 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 da. Today I'm joined by
0: Michael. Uh
1: again, very usual. Um today we're gonna talk about the dust bowl. A little bit. And why. So dirty. Why it is that water is so important. So, did you know that Oklahoma has 55,646 miles of shoreline?
0: Yes, thereabouts, but yes.
1: So, due to man-made lakes in an attempt to, quote, tame the abundant supplies of water, end quote, in Oklahoma. That was a Governor Robert S. Kerr soundbite
0: okay
1: um so via like he wanted to do this via the waters or the rivers that run through oklahoma and there's quite a few of them yeah in 1963 he said i tell you the people of okla i tell you people of oklahoma that our abundant supplies of water will be more worth more to our great state in the next half century than all the oil and gas we've produced have been worth to it in the past half century, which is a ridiculous convoluted quote, but he's saying that uh, between 1960 and 2010, uh, water would be more important than oil, was up until 1960.
0: I hope he died right after that statement, because he'd be proven so wrong.
1: It's kind of sad, because he, he did die shortly after that statement. He died that oh, wow. same year. Uh um,
0: So he never got to see how wrong he was.
1: Right. I have met one of his uh, descendants, and I am less than impressed. Um, So. It would have been true if not for fracking and the fact we only have one water table for the entire state. And should fracking contaminate that water table, none of us in this state and many surrounding states would have any locally accessed usable or potable potable water. Potable. Okay, listen, I grew up with a carpenter, and he always said potable, and I don't know if that's just because he's dumb? Yes. Okay. I'm not going to argue with that. <laughs> um, so, have you heard the name Carl Albert?
0: Uh, not really. Not off the top of my head.
1: Okay, well, there are at least two schools in the Oklahoma City metro with his name on them. Um, I was a substitute teacher at one of them. Uh, For a very short time.
0: You are so proud of that.
1: Yes. He was a house speaker, and he was an influential force behind the building of Oklahoma Reservoirs. And why your grandfather had a job. Great-grandfather?
0: Great-grandfather.
1: Had a job building lakes. Yes. So why do we have so many lakes here? There are several different reasons. Um, Mainly flood control, which I'm...
0: Makes sense, actually.
1: Yeah. I will come... Back to that in a later episode, probably, when we do another weather episode here in a few months when tornadoes start kicking up. I'll talk about flood control. Right now, we're going to focus on the drought. So, uh, mainly flood control along with water supply, recreation like fishing and boating, wildlife, and last... Corpse Yeah. Last and definitely least here is hydroelectric power. While our flood and drought patterns are still harsh, they're definitely way better than they were in the 1930s when dust storms made life for the average citizen basically impossible. Correct. Um. Also, I was mistaken in a previous episode. We do have two natural lakes. uh, Oxbox and Playa. Okay. Oxbox is a crescent-shaped lake alongside a winding river uh, where the erosion causes the loop of a river to kind of become a lake over time. It still has water running Through the edge of it, but... And then Playa is a round hollow in the ground that is only present certain times of the year. And Gaiman has the uh, Playa Lake Loop Hiking Trail nearby. So, did want to correct that, because I was mistaken.
0: So I was right, just with the wrong names.
1: Yes. Um, Hmm. So again, to explain a little bit better in detail why it's so important to the sooner state that we have water like this. We have to go back in time about 90 years to 1930 when drought first hit Oklahoma. Within 4 years, so by 1934, Oklahoma had basically become a desert. See, Oklahoma has very specific had very specific grasses which held the fine topsoil down. But farmers and property developers were unaware of how important it was to keep the grasses and rotate crops. So, what?
0: I actually know the name of that grass. It's called buffalo grass.
1: That's cute. I didn't know that. I yep. read like 16 different articles trying to find something about it, and it didn't ever state it. So,
0: um, if Yeah, there's uh, certain grants that you can get, and they pay you to plant buffalo grass in your fields.
1: Cool water not keeping what buffalo grass was naturally there and farmers rightfully more concerned with crops than their lawns uh the bare dirt became dust and dust storms when the infamous uh oklahoma wind would kick up and this caused people to leave their homes farms farms businesses and flee at least 16,000 people left oklahoma for california creating Hoovervilles usually, you know, mm, not
0: tent cities.
1: Yes. So they went to California for work. They didn't actually usually go to California. Most people of the 250,000 people who left only 16,000 went to California. The rest just went to neighboring States who had water. Right. Um, so this is when the term Oki was
0: created.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they re- it referred to all migrant workers, not just workers from Oklahoma. Um, and it was a slur and held the same negativity as many racial slurs. If you want more clarity on that, you can read The Graves of Wrath by Steinbeck. But it is off because it makes it seem like every Oklahoman went to California and most people just couldn't do that. Um, Okies were hated for leaving an unlivable place to, quote, steal jobs um, and were often portrayed as dirty drunks. There's no relevance there to the kids in cages, or the way we treat people south of Texas who try to get here right. Mm.
0: Or any other migrant workers, or...
1: Yeah. Anyway, back to the Dust Bowl. Um, Did you know one dust storm actually reached two miles wide and traveled 2,000 miles to the East Coast?
0: No, I did not.
1: May 11th, 1934, a dust, stover, a dust storm hovered over D.C. and New York City during a... De- you just threw the cat. In he the just threw can. the cat into the trash can. He's okay. He's purring. He's fine. He liked it. He's a weird trash cat. Please don't come after me. Um. Okay, so in May 1934... Um, a dust storm covered the Capitol building in Washington DC during a debate over soil conserve a soil conservation bill.
0: Nice. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those this is the problem it is right here in your face.
1: Right. It actually also reached New York City. Uh there I might be able to find some pictures of the Statue of Liberty like during the dust storm. Yeah. So Along with the 250,000 people who fled the state, rightfully so, over 7,000 people died of dust pneumonia. So similar to minors, people started showing signs of silicosis from inhaling fine silt particles.
0: And then they recrystallized inside the lungs. It is actually still prominent occasionally during our bad dust storms.
1: Yes, it was called the Brown Plague and was particularly lethal for infants, young children, and the elderly. Um, And, oh, going back to the people who fled, Oklahoma farmers didn't leave. They stayed. It was the other people who had other businesses and stuff like that, or first-year farmers. It wasn't the family farmers who'd been doing it for generations. They tried to stick it out, if they could, unless the bank was taking their land. That was basically the only time they would leave. Um, So... There's, uh, it wasn't just humans who were affected, uh, obviously it disrupted the whole ecosystem and unleashed plagues of jackrabbits and
0: grasshoppers. I didn't know about the jackrabbits.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So, dust storms creating night in the middle of the day and being charged with so much static electricity that they would short out cars just rolling through And stuff like that, you know, you know, living in a dust storm apocalypse wasn't bad enough. They also, that was disgusting and on record. Sorry. Um, wasn't bad enough. Like they came through jackrabbits and grasshoppers came through and destroyed whatever meager crops they could find. In fact, FDR was quoted as saying what the sun left, the grasshoppers took. It was so bad. The national car, uh, national guard. Oh my God. Words. The National Guard was actually called in to crush the green jumpers with tractors and burn infested fields. And the Civilian Conservation Corps was assigned to spread arsenic insecticide across pretty much the whole state. Because what's worse than dust? Arsenic dust being blown around. That was smart.
0: Um, At least we're getting better at controlling, like. Mass panic.
1: The static charge in the dust storms were so bad that people who had to drive through them would drag chains behind their cars to ground out their cars. Wow. I thought that was pretty freaking crazy. Personally. Um. Hold on. Sorry. I've been jumping around in my notes, so I'm not sure where I'm at. Okay. Arsenic insecticide. That's fun. So... That was 1934. Things did not improve. Obviously, there was nothing that they were doing that was actually fixing the problem. So by 1938, five inches of topsoil, over 10 million acres, had been blown away with another two and a half inches lost across another 13 and a half million acres. So that's why water and proper farming techniques are so fucking important here. Yep. That's why we have so many man-made lakes and created our own water system so we didn't have to depend on the uh, national and global climate taking care of us. We made our own, which I think has to do with why we have tornado outbreaks also, but I can't prove that.
0: Um, and that's also why <clears throat> Oklahoma has federal laws mandating the crop rotations. It's not just federal laws. They threw their own on top of it just to enforce it even more.
1: It's not just state laws, you mean?
0: Well, you there's said federal that there's... laws with, along with it, but they're light punishment, whereas state laws, you can look at okay. like 20, 30 years for failing to crop rotate.
1: I'm not sure if I misheard heard, misunderstood or if it was stated wrong. It doesn't matter. You fixed it. It's totally fine. So, uh, there's actually signs outside of... Di- Diners in California that would say... Okies and dogs not allowed inside. And that's because of the Hoovervilles... That they were building in the tent cities. Like the... They would just pack up everything... Like Beverly Hillbilly style... In their car. With grandma on top. And drive to California. And Steinbeck's... Hi squirrel. My cats are interrupting today. Sorry. Um... Steinbeck even mentions how they had a California border checkpoint that they had to go through. And they in the book, they go through with their dead grandma. And like they just are like, she's really sick. And the guy just lifts up the sheet and is like, oh, God, you better get her somewhere. But she was already dead. So spoiler alert, if you haven't read it and plan to, that happens. But and it's like really sad in the book. It's kind of funny to talk about. But yeah, so that's fun. Um, That is fun. They were checking people at the border to make sure that they weren't, you know, trying to smuggle more people in. And, like, you weren't allowed to bring certain fruits or vegetables in. Again, that's according to a novel, not right headlines or news reports. Um, also, fun fact, the, du- the term Dust Bowl was originally a throwaway line in an article by Robert Geiger. And it um, stuck. Yeah, because he also used the term dust belt, but dust belt gained so much popularity within like three weeks of the original publishing of the term that that's what it became known as to this day. Edging up on a hundred years later. Yep. So that's super fun. Um, It took me like three hours to write all of this and like maybe 15 minutes to say it. And that's very frustrating for me.
0: It is. It is. But
1: we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with a little bit more information. So enjoy my ad. Oh, gosh. I have to unlock my phone for this. And we're back from the ads. I hope you enjoyed me talking about Anchor.
0: <laughs> yeah, anchor. They keep ships from moving.
1: But now we're going to talk about some lore that I found. And we're going to start with one of my favorite Okies, Woody Guthrie. He was living in Pampa, Texas when the Dust Bowl hit. Um, he was an o- an Okima, Oklahoma native as many people know and his hometown was mostly spared from dust storms, but Pampa where he was, was not. Um, he actually released an album called Dust Bowl Ballads which were about his experiences in the Texas Panhandle during the 1930s.
0: Hmm.
1: His songs like Tom Joad and Do-Re-Mi are about Dust Bowl migrants and mostly about sharecroppers and tenant farmers forced off the land by the Great Depression, extremely low cotton prices, and the mechanization of farm equipment. In true Guthrie fashion, his socialist side shone through by bringing the spotlight to poor workers who needed assistance, but were instead made homeless by the New Deal.
0: Huh. Learned something new today.
1: Um, so, I just wanted to mention Woody Guthrie, I have a sticker on my car that says this machine kills fascists and it makes, uh, Republicans very angry to see. So, anyway, that was just my little bit that I wanted to add. Um, statements such as, quote, Oklahoma has four seasons often in the same week, and quote, were popularized then.
0: Wow, I, this section is all full of fun knowledge I didn't know.
1: Um, yes, stories about the dust bowl circulated quickly. Uh, tales um, where even with windows and doors closed and rugs or rags rather shoved in cracks of houses, when a dumps, uh, dust storm hit, a strong light bulb was no brighter than the cherry of a cigarette inside. When dust storms hit. Because they would just Death. go through the pores of the wood. You've also got to think it was like 1920s, 1930s structures. Yeah. So they weren't like they are today with like all the insulation we have and all that. But it would come in through the small cracks yeah. between yeah. logs or between the roof and the walls and make it so dark that even the brightest bulbs just look like a, a cigarette cherry. Um, a black blizzard hit Guyman, Oklahoma, Sunday, April 14th, 1935. What um, is
0: a black blizzard? I'm
1: going to... You'll see. Uh, after the Methodist church held a rain service, which was a service to pray for rain, um, when churchgoers arrived, temperatures were in the upper 80s, but within hours dropped 50 degrees. By late afternoon, the descri- uh, the skies were described as black But it wasn't clouds.
0: It was dust.
1: Winds were up to 70 miles an hour, and they blew black soil from as far as Canada. Total darkness lasted 40 minutes, with hours of partial darkness following. So, I just can't help but think of the mesocyclone that we had a few years ago. It was probably 2013, 2014, when Midwest City, it was like afternoon, like, two or three in the afternoon, and it looked like midnight because of the... And, but that was rain clouds. So imagine that, but without rain clouds. Like, that's terrifying.
0: Yeah, I bet those Methodists were like, God hates us!
1: Yes, probably. Um, I did some pretty deep dives into this, and um, mm. a lot of it... A lot of the stories I found were not in Oklahoma because it was only, like, the panhandle and the edges of oklahoma that were really affected by affected by it yes um so a lot of the stories that i found were from texas and kansas um and even arkansas but there's one guy that i really want to talk about uh ike austin i read an article from the amarillo globe news um, he was one of nine kids living in a dugout during the Dust Bowl. Um, and later, he would land on Normandy Beach during D-Day.
0: Did he uh, make it home?
1: Yes. Obviously, they, they interviewed him when he was, like, 90. And okay. actually, in the article, one of the first statements is, I arrived at his house, at 90-year-old Ike Austin's <laughs> house, and he was not outside on a rocker. He was up on his roof doing work. So, <laughs> you know um and so your dad is calling you will you hit the fu button just so it thank you
0: oh, it was affecting that
1: yes because my phone the mic is also sitting on that so i don't know how that's gonna sound okay um but he was asked what was worse d-day or the dust bowl and he said the dust bowl Quote, in the Dust Bowl, you couldn't go after the enemy. You didn't know when the enemy would show up, when it would come back again, how much damage it would do. End quote. Wow. Yeah. When
0: when he compares D-Day to the Dust Bowl and says the Dust Bowl was worse, that's a big red flag.
1: It's pretty scary. So... Stories of sheriffs rounding up roadkill and leaving it in town centers for hungry families to sort through. And couples gnawing on brine thistle, which was literally canned tumbleweeds. Ew. So they could save what little nourishment they could find for their children. And, like, stories of a young woman discovering an abandoned baby on a church doorstep in the dead of winter circulate to this day. So that's super fun but i think that most people can agree that the heroes of the dust bowl were the ordinary families who lived in conditions that required like courage and perseverance against tremendous odds and ultimately it was their family bond and tenacity that led to survival and they're the reason why we still have people like living in those areas yeah if they hadn't stayed it wouldn't have been worth fixing
0: like the panhandle Just in general.
1: Pick one. Texas or Oklahoma, they're basically the same. The panhandles should just be merged into one state called unlivable place.
0: (laughs) Place where you die.
1: Like, if you want to study weather, you should go there. You get, like, the most extreme of every type at any time of year in, like, Gaiman. Oklahoma. There's a reason why I avoid that place. And it's not just the weather, it's also the meth. There's a real meth up there.
0: <laughs> it's kind of methy.
1: It's kind of methy. One of the cats just made a noise and I thought it was a kid, but we don't have a kid here right now. My brain's doing weird things.
0: I know. I woke up last night thinking, like, I heard Nova talking.
1: It was probably just moose, like, purring in your ear or something. Probably. Or love bowl or squirrel meowing because moose ate all the food and they couldn't go two more hours. They couldn't let you sleep. They're gonna die. <laughs> so, anyway, that was a fun, uplifting bit about uh the Dust Bowl. <laughs> do, you, do you have anything fun to add?
0: No, no topic no not really
1: okay i do want to add that just because the center like the main part of oklahoma wasn't affected by the dust bowl doesn't mean that the lakes here don't help cut down on that ish happening again because we created a whole man-made water system where you know water gets evaporated and goes up and becomes clouds and comes down as rain that's a water system we made one to help cut down on that
0: we created a microclimate
1: uh, actually, that's not microclimate. Microclimate is like a mile. Okay. Because when I lived in Alaska, I learned about that because I lived on an island and there were microclimates where one mile would be rainy and then you'd hit a sunburst for three miles and then it'd go back to like just cloudy. Like, it was wild.
0: Hmm.
1: Yep. So, do you have a fun fact about Oklahoma?
0: Um, that when Mount St. Helens blew its top, it was... Uh, Ashing here and they even had some small pebbles
1: yes uh my dad's dad kenneth my papa actually uh told me about that several different times yep
0: and it was yeah. crazy looking at black and white pictures in my grandparents house mm-hmm. and being like so where's the ash and they're like damn it charles
1: oh god. god damn it charles and cats shout out to uh mike's dad charles
0: <laughs> and flaming cat buttholes that love to be in faces.
1: Yes, that's Moose's favorite thing. He likes to try to show his butthole on Nova Zoom classes too, and that's pretty hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy I have no shame.
1: Why would he? Um Fun fact of the day. Oklahoma is bordered by six states. Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, New Mexico, and Colorado. All of which... Texas. and Well, duh. (laughs) All of which were um, impacted by the Dust Bowl.
0: Ta-da! Happy noises. Anyway, Anyway,
1: thanks for listening, and stick around for plugs and shout-outs. Shout-outs to... Charles Barwick of God damn It Charles fame. Executive producer Andrew Wilmers. Executive producer Stephanie Cordray. Producers Cassidy Queerface of Uncanny Dispatch Podcast. Big love to you and Chase Babies. You're doing great. I really love listening. Uh, producers Katie Sanders, Amber Walters, Glenn Sanders, Kate Kelly Taylor, Eli Cook, Holly Yarbrough, Thomas Gins, Dan North, and Tony Nix. Without your help and shares and all of that, uh, this would be impossible. So thank you very, very much. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Oklahoma Strange Pod or podcast. One of them it's pod, the other one it's podcast, and I'm too lazy to look it up. So judge me if you want or stop listening. I mean, that is totally up to you, baby. Follow Mike on TikTok for occasional lives involving Oklahoma Strange at MichaelBarwick3. You can also follow me at Slam Dance Noodle just for funsies. Send Strange, uh, send strange Oklahoma Stories to strangeoklahoma at gmail.com. And we will start reading those at the end of episodes. Become a producer. Uh, you can donate as little as $1 to cash tag OklahomaStrangers on Cash App. Um, or you could become an executive producer by subscribing on the Anchor app for about $5 a month. Thank you very, very much.
0: Um, I have a challenge for everybody. Pass this podcast off to one person. At least one person.
1: God, you're so quiet. Anyway, <laughs> say Strange!
0: Thank you.